You know, I guess I think I've always been a professional critic, you know, or some sort of professional appreciator or something. Now this is serious business here, man. Putting on a great show is the most important thing you can do. One great rock show can change the world. So much music, but never enough time. Sometimes some great albums get lost in the shuffle. Today, we're bringing you some under-the-radar records you need to check out. I'm Jim DeRogatis. And I'm Greg Cott. From the harmony vocals of the Flat Five to the garage rock of the Regrets, we've got some great musical buried treasures to share. And we pay tribute to the late funky drummer Clyde Stubblefield. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. This is Sound Opinions, and later on you're going to be hearing some musical buried treasures. But right now... That is uh, the inimitable James Brown with yes. one Clyde Stubblefield on drums. Uh, Clyde Stubblefield died February 19th at age 73 in Madison, Wisconsin, of kidney failure. The original funky drummer, Jim, as you well know, Clyde Stubblefield. He uh, was an architect of funk. Uh, he was an architect of hip-hop. Yep. We're going to get to that in a second. He was born in Alabama in 1943, eventually moved to uh, Macon, Georgia, because he was much in demand. By the time he was in his teens, already an in-demand drummer on the R&B and jazz circuit, started playing with Otis Redding. James Brown, you know, tapped him on the forehead and said, I want you <laughs> in my band. And uh, to James Brown's... A mixed blessing. Yeah. James Brown had already had a tremendous amount of success as a soul singer. But with Clyde Stubblefield in his band, as well as John Jabo Starks, also on drums, he completely reconfigured his sound starting in the mid-60s. And it started with that drummer. The idea of funk, of rhythmic-based music, uh, became a reality under that band, under James Brown, but specifically because of the drumming of Starks and Stubblefield. Stubblefield was the guy who had the more free approach to the drumming. Starks was more of a straight-up R&B-style drummer. Clyde had these elements of jazz in the way he would uh, accent beats, his fills, his little staccato beats. Uh, there was always a little extra touch the way Stubblefield approached the funk. Grace we, notes, we drummers call it, Greg. E- exactly. You know, we had um, R.J. Smith on the show a few years ago talking about the great James Brown. He was always talking about this concept of on the one. Yeah. You know, the way uh, Brown reinvented the rhythmic feel of black music. Uh, and w- it really started with Clyde Stubblefield. He was, he was the guy that he built these songs around. You know, when you think about uh, funk, you think about a song like Cold Sweat in 1967, which basically, you know, said, chord changes, who needs stinking chord changes? <laughs> Melody, yeah. not so much. But, you know, and a lot of people thought, oh, it's, it's reductive. No, what, what James Brown was tapping into was the source, the original source of African-American music, was music from Africa. Uh, Very rhythm-based, very polyrhythmic-based, but he used only two drummers to achieve that sound, uh, Stubblefield and uh, Starks. And every other instrument in the band, keyboards, guitars, 
horns. Even James Brown's voice became mm-hmm. a percussion instrument. A rhythmic. Well, you know, what's, what's fascinating is that African roots of those rhythms, Greg, but combined with uh, Stubblefield talked in interviews about growing up in Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, and, and there was a factory nearby, and mm-hmm. it was the sound of the factory, as he put it, pop, boom, pop, boom, of machinery always going, that also informed his rhythmic thinking. Here's a little bit of Clyde Stubblefield on James Brown's immortal cold sweat, in which he says, you know, give the drummer some. Stop dancing around the studio. I know it's hard <laughs> when we're listening to Cold Sweat or really any of the tracks that Clyde Stubblefield played with the mighty James Brown. I think as part of paying tribute to Clyde Stubblefield, we should indulge in an, a sample platter segment. This is the segment we've uh, introduced recently where we look at an original song and then the new directions it's been taken uh, via the art of sampling. And I do not think it's an exaggeration to say uh, no song in hip-hop history has been sampled more than funky drummer uh, Clyde Stubblefield uh, playing with James Brown. One, two, three, four, get it! Although it was not a song he liked. Back in 2014, he said, yay, I didn't really like it. I couldn't really get off on it. Uh, There was also some aggravation that he had never been paid. Despite this song being sampled, and no exaggeration to say, literally hundreds of times, uh, he told the New York Times in, in 2011, all my life I've been wondering about my money. In later life, we should mention he was a colleague of ours on public radio. He was the house drummer for What Do You Know out of Wisconsin. So he didn't have a lot of money. He had to have surgery in 2000 uh, when he had bladder cancer. It cost $90,000, and only last year after the death of Prince did Clyde say, Prince stepped forward and Mm -hmm. paid his entire hospital bill, and they'd never even met. Prince, however, is one of the many who sampled Stubblefield's funky drummer riff. You know, you hear the drums powering Get Off by Prince and My Name is Prince. You also hear Stubblefield's drumming powering Public Enemies, two of their best songs, Bring the Noise and Fight the Power. 
Sinead O'Connor. Completely different realm. Yeah. I am stretched on your grave. George Michaels, Freedom 90. Fine Young Cannibals, I'm Not the Man I Used to Be. Nine Inch Nails, Piggy. Nine Inch Nails is sampling Clyde Stubblefield. Mama Said Knock You Out by LL Cool J. Uh, Crisscross Jump, Original Gangster Ice-T. Justify My Love by Madonna. If I had to say as a drummer, as a music critic, as a James Brown and Claude Stubblefield fan, what is it? It's not only the fact that late in the song, Funky Drummer, somewhere around the six-minute mark of a seven-minute song, you get a, a drum break. You know, the rest of the band uh, drops out, and you just hear Stubblefield drumming. And throughout the entire song, it is his drum pattern that has has powered the song, really given it its structure, you know, and 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 Brown is egging him on, you know. Uh, but it's a nice, clear uh, stretch of a couple of bars to sample. But I also just think it's the ineffable feel of Clyde Stubblefield. Now, the, the guy was not a flashy drummer. He did have a, a way of, of accenting the clock, we would call mm-hmm. it, these little grace notes. Uh, you know, Questlove, I think a drummer who took a lot from him, uh, said, you know, they've been faster, they've been stronger, but Clyde had a marksman's left hand, unlike any drummer of the 20th century. I yeah. think that's that's what you kind of have to be a drummer. Is that combination of the power of the one and the three, uh, or the two and the four, uh, on the snare drum, and also what the left hand was doing to decorate the clock in, in a very jazz way. So here's Funky Drummer, and then what it became when it was sampled. are just a few of the many, many uses in hip-hop and pop music of Clyde Stubblefield's fantastic drumming on Funky Drummer by James Brown. Clyde Stubblefield, a true original, dead at the age of 73. Every few months on Sound Opinions, we like to talk about what we call buried treasures, yes. Jim. And uh, that's basically a bunch of records we really love <laughs> that we didn't get a chance to talk about on the show. We get flooded with stuff that we like quite a bit, and there's not always room to talk about it every week. And, and what I think distinguishes these records in particular is that most people haven't heard about them either. It's not like they're right. big mainstream records or records that have been written about extensively. 
We both feel that these are under-the-radar records. That these, these are records that not many people may have noticed when they first came out, but they deserve uh, much wider attention. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start with uh, a group out of New York City called Public Access TV. And, and this is really the story of the band's uh, co-founder, singer, guitarist, and main songwriter, John Etherly. Here's a classic tale. Small town boy, uh, grows up with big city dreams, moves from the smallest town imaginable, and, and ends up in one of the biggest cities imaginable and uh, starts a band. Mm. Uh, John Etherly, that's the story of, uh, of John. He, his family moved from Texas to Tennessee. His father was an aspiring Nashville songwriter who never quite made it. Meanwhile, uh, John and his family, they're, they're living in this little quiet town of about 2,000 outside of Nashville. And uh, John uh, took some lessons from his father in terms of just, you know, seeing what a songwriter does, playing multiple instruments. His father really never made it. He died uh, never making it as that Nashville songwriter that he aspired to be. Mm. But that didn't stop John from having these dreams of forming one day forming a rock band in New York City. He dropped out of high school and eventually moved to New York, where he brought a couple of his boyhood friends along with him, started a band in the city, and uh, their debut album came out last year. Uh, it's called Never Enough. Um, The debut album is classic power pop. If this had come out in the late 70s, early 80s, it might have been compared to bands like Shoes or the early Cheap Trick. It reminds me a lot of those classic Midwestern power pop bands uh, of that era. Really, all offshoots of that first or second Big Star album, Take Your Pick. You know, that that sound of sort of chiming, super melodic, well-structured songs with sort of a little bit of a soul and R&B edge. That's what you're getting from Public Access TV. Here's a cut from the uh, first album from Public Access TV. It's called In Love and Alone on Sound Opinions. from the debut album by a New York City band called Public Access TV, Never Enough. Jim, what do you got next? Greg, I'm going to L.A. uh, for another debut album. It is called, with the exclamation mark, Feel Your Feelings, Fool, (laughs) uh, by a young band called The Regrets, R-E-G-R-E-T-T-E-S, okay? Um, If that sounds like an odd 
sort of name evocative of uh, early 60s girl groups, uh, a wiser scribe than I has had described them as Bikini Kill meets the Renettes. <laughs> um, and, and that's actually, I can't do better than that. It's pretty fantastic. A garage band led, when I said young, I wasn't kidding, by 15-year-old Lydia Knight and some of her high school buddies. 15 okay? years old, wow. 15 years old. And they just got signed to Warner Brothers. Unheard of in this era. I first uh, had, had my curiosity uh, peaked about them when our pal Todd Martins at the LA Times uh, wrote a long profile about this crazy, successful, brilliant group of high school age musicians. What are they doing? That There's a sort of a third wave feminist, millennial feminist take. Uh, aggressively so, but really smart and really funny. I've got pimples on my face and grease in my hair, prickly legs, go ahead and stare. <laughs> Lydia is singing on a song called A Living Human Girl. Uh, she is taking on sexism in high school, sexism in society, and, uh, and, and having a lot of fun while doing it. The melodies are indelible. The rhythms are, are driving. I, I, I just can't imagine the future of rock and roll being in better hands than these. <laughs> if we had 100 bands like this, we would rule the world. Here's The Regrets with a song called Juice Box Baby, the debut album. I just love saying this. Feel your feelings fool <laughs> on Sound Opinions. Box Baby by The Regrets. Don't you love that, Greg? <laughs> I, I'm a big fan. After a break, you and I are going to dig up some more buried treasures, and later in the show, we'll reveal a brand new segment about a song that got a musician into music. We're calling this Hooked on Sonics. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. They say the kids don't like rock and roll, don't like rock and roll anymore.
Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRigatis, and we're going through some of our recent favorite records that haven't gotten as much mainstream attention as they should. We're calling it Buried Treasures. Jim, I've got another one for you. This one from a Chicago-based MC named Fatima Warner, otherwise known as No Name. She went under the name No Name Gypsy for a while. The reason I'm bringing that up is that people may best know her for some of the cameos she did on pretty well-received mixtapes by the likes of Chance the Rapper yeah. and Mick Jenkins. Now No Name has her own uh, mixtape out, and it's an uh, extremely fine record. It took her three years to sort of put it together. She, she thought about it. She found the right collaborators. Uh, she took her time writing the music and the songs, uh, finally came together in a sort of a, um, a family-style recording situation in Los Angeles. She and her producers, you know, rented an apartment in Los Angeles mm. and said, okay, we're going we're gonna to move here during a, the middle of a Chicago winter and, and put this record together, and that's what happened. Um, Fatima is one of those artists who has come through the Chicago open mic and uh, live poetry scenes. Uh, she comes at it from a poet's perspective. Uh, and that has been a very common uh, stepping stone for a lot of these very successful yeah. Chicago rappers in the last few years, uh, she being the latest example. So as a result, you get very dense, very um, playful, uh, very conversational uh, style of vocalizing here. It's not your traditional boom-bap kind of rapping, you know. It's not about uh, being overly aggressive. Instead, um, she has a, her, very much her own voice, and she's found collaborators, uh, Saba, a very well-respected uh, Chicago producer among them, who understand her style and are crafting musical beds that very much complement her voice. This, this almost uh, shares traits with some uh, 70s jazz records or uh, that folk soul movement that uh, emerged in the late 60s, early 70s, uh, rather than uh, more mainstream hip-hop. And I like it all the more because of that. Uh, The songwriting, as I said, very sophisticated. The song that uh, I want to play is called Yesterday. This is basically a tribute to her grandmother, uh, who basically raised her for the first 13 years of her life, and and the wisdom she imparted. It's about, you know, uh, not only recognizing your own mortality, um, but also the lessons that her grandmother imparted. The idea that uh, commercial fame, that material goods really didn't mean all that much in, in, in life, uh, that there were greater gifts to be had. For a young uh, black woman growing up in Chicago, those were important lessons to hear, and you can hear that sort of sense of generosity uh, in every note of this record. It's called Yesterday from No Name on Sound Opinions. And I know the money don't really make me hope. The magazine covers drenched in gold, the dreams of granny and mansion and happy, the little things I need to save my soul. And I know the money don't really make me hope. The magazine covers drenched in gold, the dreams of granny and mansion and happy, the little things I need to save my soul. Who am I, gypsy rap? Gypsy need her dollar back and all of that. My devil's only closer when I call him back. Lick her in the limelight. Lick her in the limelight with fine wine and ecstasy. You can have the rest of me. Basket case silhouette. Cigarette internet. Check my Twitter page for something holier than black death. Who am I, gypsy black? The vacancy of hallelujah. Me hollow in my interviews. Me only wearing tennis shoes to clubs with dress codes. Cause up they clubs. Everything is everything. Me no name. Me against doing cocaine. Me missing brother Mike like something heavy. Me heart just wasn't ready. I wish I was a kid to catch. When the sun is going down, when the dark is out this day, I picture your smile like it was yesterday. 
remember memories don't last forever when i deny my empty with an open letter who gon' remember me my satellite my empathy the wheels be chrome chrome spiffy the lord with me my halo said goodbye and the floor hit me Felt a lining in a pine box my granny filled a time slot don't grow up too soon don't blow the candles out don't let them cops get you my granny almost sparrow i can see the wings the choir sings and not a da-da-da-da-da-da Only he can save my soul And I know the money don't really make me whole The magazine covers drenched in gold The dreams of granny and mansion and happy The little things I need to save my soul When the sun is That is No Name with a song called Yesterday from her debut mixtape called Telephone on Sound Opinions. Jim, what's your next buried treasure? Greg, I think uh, this next treasure I'm going to talk about is the very definition of buried treasures, and uh, he has been doing it since 1968. I am talking about uh, a pioneer in the world of lo-fi home recording, DIY, four-track cassettes, as well as an outsider artist in the kind of wild man Fisher mode named R. Stevie Moore. Uh, According to the New York Times, which did a fun profile a couple of years ago, uh, Stevie Moore has released more than 400 (laughs) DIY releases since 1968. I fell in love with his music uh, in the early 80s when I was growing up in Jersey City in Hoboken, listening to the, the freeform bastion of adventurous radio, WFMU-FM. He was a big hero there. And there was a great compilation record came out in 84 called Everything You Wanted to Know About R. Stevie Moore But Were Afraid to Ask. <laughs> now, these cassettes would be, you know, partly uh, just lo-fi noisemaking and skits and some of the greatest songs interspersed recorded very you know, primitively by by Moore playing all the instruments at home. Uh, you know, th- they combined the pop genius of the Beatles filtered through XTC or the early psychedelic Pink Floyd. Uh, you know, lately uh, he's gotten also into some kraut rock, uh, mm-hmm. a, a Euro disco, and and alternative hip hop, uh, kind of kind of like De La Soul. Um, you know, he was cranky, he was weird, he was a little strange. I'd see him perform live sometimes. You didn't necessarily want to talk to him after the show, but while he was on stage, he was mesmerizing. Now, I don't think he's ever cared about widespread recognition, but he's getting some now, finally, decades later, via a collaboration with. Jason Faulkner. People who love that genre you mentioned a little earlier, power pop, think that Faulkner is a superhero, okay? He was in that band Jellyfish. He played in the later versions of the Three O'Clock. He collaborated with the great John Bryan in the mm-hmm. Grays, and he's put out great solo albums. He invited our Stevie Moore to his home studio in Los Angeles for two weeks, a big step up from Stevie. I suspect these days Stevie uses like a digital recorder and not a cassette, <laughs> but you know, he might still be on cassette. You don't know. And so we get a new set of 18 songs on an album that is getting a proper release via Bar None, the longstanding uh, underground power pop uh, label out of out of Hoboken, out of New Jersey. Uh, so this New Jersey hero is collaborating with a giant in the genre of power pop, a great set of songs recorded uh, a little little better, a little more polished mm. than usual. Faulkner is singing some of Moore's lyrics. Uh, it's it's a phenomenal record. It's not just a buried treasure. It's a treasure, period. What am I talking about? Here is a track called I Hate People. As I said, he can be a little cranky, okay? But it's a good tune for these times. I Hate People by R. Stevie Moore and Jason Faulkner. The album is called Make It Be on Sound Opinions. Warm regards. 
Great stuff. R. Stevie Moore and Jason Faulkner collaborating on an album called Make It Be. It's out in a week or two, but a lot of it's already floating around on SoundCloud and YouTube. Greg, have you got another buried treasure for us? I do indeed, Jim. It's from a band named Deep Sea Diver out of Seattle, and it's built around the uh, guitar playing, uh, singing, and songwriting of Jessica Dobson. Now, you may not know that name, but chances are if you've seen Beck or The Shins or The Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs or Connor Oberst uh, live over the last, uh, you know, decade or so, you might have run into uh, Jessica Dobson as sort of the the hired guitar gunslinger up there Mm. on stage, a very vibrant presence uh, in all of those uh, bands when they would perform. And uh, she's had a fairly... A lengthy career already. She signed a record deal with Atlantic at age 19 uh, out of California and kind of more of a singer-songwriter jangle pop vein. She made two albums for Atlantic that were never released. Both of them were shelved. And, Mm. you know, I asked her about this a few weeks ago, and she said, you know, I'm not, it's not like I'm not proud of those records, but I have no regrets about them not coming out. Mm. I I still was finding my voice as, as a young singer and songwriter. So she, you know, did some woodshedding there with these bands uh, on the road as kind of the hired gun. But meanwhile, she was starting to get Deep Sea Diver together. Uh, The key, I think, for that band was when she met uh, Peter uh, Manson, uh, her future drummer, and turned out to be her future husband as well uh, in Seattle. And once they started collaborating, uh, Deep Sea Diver took on a life of its own. There was a debut album a few years ago, a few EPs uh, since then. But I think where she's really finding not only her voice as a singer and songwriter, but as a guitar player on record is with the new album called Secrets. It's been out for uh, about a year now, but I've been listening to it constantly, wanted to talk about it in the show. Finally, here's my opportunity. Deep Sea Diver with an album called Secrets, and here's a track called Wide Awake on Sound Opinions.
That is Wide Awake from Deep Sea Diver. The Secrets album is my buried treasure. Jim, you got another one for us? Yeah, Greg, I'm going to New Jersey again, uh, as I did for our Stevie Moore. When I was growing up in Jersey City, a sad Mm. place, now it's like the new Brooklyn. And this is a young band that's calling Jersey City home. They're called Wildlife. That's kind of a bad name. It sounds like a bad 80s hair metal band. W-Y-L-D, life. Um, But the group is fantastic. They describe their sound barbed wire bubblegum, like a leather boot filled with Hawaiian punch. And I think that's fantastic. I will drop some names. I think they're straddling a line between Ramones, or classic New York City punk, and T-Rex glam rock, or the New York Dolls and Slade. They've got that kind of energy, exuberance, melody, uh, but but punk drive. It is the sound of the city, you know. Uh, smart, uh, three albums to their credit, but this one's been three years in the making. I think they really took their time and polished the melodies as well as perfecting the roar. This is a song called Teenage Heart from the third album by Wildlife called Out on Your Block on Sound Opinions. Suppose I'll never learn my lesson. Should have shaken off my adolescence. from Jersey City, New Jersey, Wildlife. The song's Teenage Heart. The new album is called Out on Your Block. Greg, you've got your last buried treasure for us. I do. It's from a group called The Flat Five, uh, a name which may not ring familiar uh, to a lot of our listeners quite yet, but I think the pedigree of this band would ring familiar because the five members of this band collectively, we're talking about NRBQ, The Decembrists, Nico Case, Mavis Staples, Robbie Falks. I mean, that, that's quite a litany of uh, musicians and artists that they have yes. worked with in the past. And, and Kelly Hogan. Indeed. Anybody yeah. who's ever heard Kelly Hogan loves Kelly Hogan. Well, Kelly Hogan is a, a fabulous vocalist. Um, she has been with Nico Case on our show a bunch of times. Um, but in this band, she has a real chance to um, 
uh, dig into something that she truly loves, which is harmony singing. And what, what we're finding here is this, this group has a, a sense of harmonizing that evokes a family kind of feel. Uh, if not, you know, if, if not certainly brothers and sisters, certainly cousins at the very least. <laughs> um, the, the odd thing about the Flat Five is that they were so busy with their other projects is that for a long time they would only get together once a year to perform. And the shows were much anticipated. You know, people, they would sell out in advance. Uh, people would love them. They would be epic length shows. The group would do everything from 60s vocal pop to, to New Orleans R&B, gospel, mountain soul, jazz hugely eclectic taste in music and, uh, you know, the brilliant musicians and singers in the group able to handle all of these different styles. They finally said, you know what, we, we need to document what we do, at least just once. So what they did was they decided they were going to record a record and they were going to record nothing but songs written by one Chris Legan, who is the older brother of one of the band's co-founders, Scott Legan. Yeah. Scott came under came up under Chris's wing in Peoria. And Chris is an incredibly prolific songwriter. He's been releasing homemade cassettes and records for decades now. Uh, Scott himself is a very accomplished musician, singer, and songwriter. I think he's been on Sound Opinions a few times in various incarnations he, as well. He has indeed. He's one of those guys that everybody wants to play with. Uh, so they were recording Scott, they're basically recording Chris's songs. And again, very reflective of this group's wide-ranging taste. The five-part harmonies applied to all these different genres of music. Here's one of the jazzier cuts on the record. It's called You're Still Joe from the Flat Five. It's a world of love and hope is the name of the album on Sound Opinions. Take a little tip from someone who's been there, buddy. Take a little tip from someone who's been there. Love may come Love may go, don't forget, you're still Joe. Take a little tip, 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 take a little tip. Take a little trip somewhere in old Kentucky. Take a little trip somewhere down south Comb your hair, hit the bars Wrestle girls in their cars Take a little trip, take a little trip Take a little trip, take a little trip Take a little trip, take a little trip Take a little trip
That is a flat five with You're Still Joe from their debut album. It's a world of love and hope on Sound Opinions. Jim, what's your final buried treasure? Greg, I'm going to wrap it up in Chicago uh, with a group called The Right Now. Uh, we saw Adele once again sweep the Grammys a couple of weeks ago. I loved Adele's first album. I think it's been diminishing returns for her as the productions have gotten glossier and glossier and she's had less to say. But this genre has been launched mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, neo-soul uh, fronted by a strong diva building on the brash, bold, often horn-driven sounds of the 60s but taking them into the new millennium with, uh, with you know, modern-day perspectives, okay? Mm-hmm. And I think that is exactly what the right now is doing. And they have an extraordinary vocalist. I think uh, she is much stronger on their forthcoming album, Starlight, than Adele was on her last two records. Yes, I'm saying she is that good. Uh, Stephanie Berez is her name, and she drives the songs, especially the more anthemic, up-tempo, brass-driven songs, Love You Better, Up All Night, Too Late, They kind of lose me. The album is not beginning to end perfect starlight when they slow down and and go more syrupy ballad because it's in the current kind of like R. Kelly, Chris Brown uh, electronic ballad mode and not like Roberta Flack or or any of the great 60s soul singers. Uh, But there is a great mini LP or an EP, a fat LP EP, if you trim out the, the slow songs and stick with the fast stuff. I think you'll hear what I'm talking about here with this song. Love You Better by The Right Now from Starlight on Sound Opinion. Love You Better by a Chicago group called The Right Now. Great vocalist Stephanie Berez on Sound Opinions. That wraps up this edition of Buried Treasures. And if you've got an album that is flying under the radar that everyone should hear, let us know. 
Give us a call at 888-859-1800, or you can connect with us on Facebook or Twitter. Coming up after a short break, we're going to talk to bassist Jason Narducci about the song that got him into music in our new series called Hooked on Sonics. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. This is Sound Opinions, and we're starting a new series in this episode where we ask a musician to talk about a single song that has had a lasting, lifelong impression on them, the song that turned music into their passion, something we're calling Hooked on Sonics. For this installment, we talked with Jason Narducci. Jason tours as part of Bob Mould's band, and he also plays bass for Super Chunk, and he has his own band, Split Single. Here he is talking about a song that changed his life. Hi, I'm Jason Narducci. I picked the Ramones medley from Rock and Roll High School, which is cheating because it's many songs. <laughs> the Ramones medley on Rock and Roll High School is made up of Blitzkrieg Bop, Teenage Lobotomy, California Sun, Pinhead, and she's the one. The movie came out in August of 1979, and my dad took me to see it. So I was eight years old. Uh, but it's a it's a, a comedy musical with punk rock, and so the Ramones playing live, playing those five songs live, one after the other, pummeling the crowd, was. Uh, my introduction to punk rock. It connected on so many levels, I think. You know, that movie is couched in this irreverent humor. That's throughout the film. I mean, they've got this groupie who's this cute high school kid who is infatuated with this relatively unattractive rock band. And I think 
as an only child with divorced parents, I felt left out. So I, re- I related to the Ramones because they were they they seemed like outsiders. They weren't trying. It didn't seem like they were trying to have a hit. They weren't trying to be played on the radio. They were just doing what they did. pretty weird movie it's really weird but man for an eight-year-old that felt lost it just made so much sense and i think my parents in the 70s did the best they could but parenting was pretty bad in general and their music was 60s music and some 70s music and my music was punk rock and so that was the moment where it was like oh this is for me you know I think I picked that medley because now as a member of the Bob Mould Band, that's exactly what we do. We don't stop in between songs. One, two, three, four, bam. One, two, three, four, bam. Super loud. As, as Bob says, we, we play two hours of music in 85 minutes. And I think the Ramones set the template for that. So much of my musical life from from that point on, you can just see the threads all leading back to that. It stands the test of time. It's uh, tried and true, and and you know here we are, 35 years later, and it's for me, it, it still gives me goosebumps. Sorry, I cheated on this one. You know, if you play the medley, it's like 10 or 11 minutes, so you hardly need anything from me. (laughs) That was Jason Narducci of Split Single, Super Chunk, and the Bob Mould Band talking about the Ramones medley from the Rock and Roll High School soundtrack, the song that got him hooked on Sonics. Greg, what do we have on the show next week? Next week, Jim, we're going to be joined by Chicago soul singer Gene Chandler. He's the man behind songs like the Duke of Earl and the 1963 hit Rainbow. I'm the only artist, we've checked it out several times, that ever had three hits off of the same song Mm -hmm. with the artist himself singing that song. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In 1980, somebody says, it's time for Rainbow. I said, we had a hit off of it twice. Twice already, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And that song took off again. Again. So I've yeah. had three hits off of Rainbow. You gotta you got shoot for four. <laughs> Come on, Gene. One no, more time. No. One more time. <laughs> Gene Chandler, next week on Sound Opinions. This week, as always, we were produced by Brendan Banizak, Evan Chung, Alex Claiborne, and Ayana Contreras.
On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So give us a call on our hotline, 888-859-1800. New messages. Hey, Jim and Greg. This is Greg from Philadelphia calling uh, in response to the First Impressions episode. Um, My First Impressions song um, really is a 90s slacker anthem uh, that's not really well known, but um, it's called Scrabble Girl by a band named Joe Christmas. Just in a few short lines, it captures beautifully the idea of, uh, of new love and falling in love with somebody new. There's something right about the exciting and the new. There's something right about getting to know you. You don't need reason. It's always just reminds me of being young and the idea of you know staying up all night with you know, somebody you just met and rocking to the same song and spending that time getting to know somebody. Uh, it's a great first impression song. Um, hope you dig it. Hey guys, Eric in Parker, Colorado. Just got done listening to your first impressions uh, podcast. My pick, which has a little bit of a, a little twist on it, would be Love Untold by Paul Westerberg. Uh, the reason it's a little bit different is that it tells a story of a guy and a girl that are presumably supposed to meet for the first time at some point, but uh, they never get the chance to, and it's never really said why in the song, why they don't ever get to meet. They were gonna meet on a rocky mountain street Two bashful hearts beat in it. One interesting thing about the song is that Westerberg pretty much tells the whole story in the third person up until the very end. If you listen really closely, he changes it and says, we were going to meet on a crummy little street. Thanks, guys. Hi, I'm Nancy from Durango, Colorado, and I just listened to the uh, Go to Beds episode uh, this week. And if you love them, as I do, uh, you might want to check out Playboy Man Baby, band from Phoenix. Their singer, Robbie Pfeiffer, and uh, Eli Kassan from the Go to Beds, they must be brothers from another mother. Hi, my name is Will. I'm from Chicago. I'm calling to speak on the review of Lupe Fiasco's last album. City of the year, that's where I'm from. City of the year, city of the year. They don't want to. City of the year, city of the year. I think that uh, Greg and Jim are really missing the point of what he was doing project. I think sometimes with artists, we have a tendency to mythologize and romanticize 
the things that they do that we like. And when they do something different, we refuse to actually grow with them, which is part of the frustration and actually part of what he's talking about on that album. Um, also, the fact that you went back to kick push as the pinnacle of his art when he's made six albums is also an issue. You kind of have to either get on or get off. People grow and change. Thanks. No more messages. To share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.